want to follow through is uh, taken from John, book of John, chapter 4, beginning in verse 27. These Scripture pick up right after Jesus' encounter with a Samaritan woman at the well. Verse 27 says, At this point, His disciples came, and they were amazed that He had been speaking with a woman. Yet no one said, What do you seek? Or why do you speak with her? So the woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the man, Come, see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? They went out of the city and were coming to Him. Thank you, Brother Eddie. Good morning, church. It's great to see each and every one of you today. Thank you so much for being here. I know that we, because of the holiday, we may have several that are out uh, traveling, and so we uh, encourage you to pray for them, And uh, but we are indeed thankful that you are here this morning. I want to remind everyone about uh, on tomorrow evening, we'll be feeding the, the men from Teen Challenge, and uh, if you haven't uh, signed up or... Uh, it, talked about helping. We want to encourage you to see uh, Miss Diane Wilkins or uh, also Greg Cochran. And that will be tomorrow evening. Even if you haven't uh, signed up to help, we want you to come and meet these gentlemen and, and participate in serving and being a part of, of this event uh, tomorrow evening. Uh, we had the opportunity last Sunday night uh, to meet many of those. Uh, maybe you had that, uh, maybe you took advantage of that opportunity. I hope so. But if not, we want to encourage you to be here uh, tomorrow evening around 5 p.m. Uh, to to help as we serve these men. They always look forward to coming to, uh, to our church family. Uh, they always look forward to being a part of what, uh, what we have going on. And, and I say that because that's what they tell us every time. And so if you can, at all possible, if you can be here to help with that, I know it will be greatly appreciated. <laughs> Hold your Bibles open there to the book of John chapter 4, and we'll meet there in about verse 27 in just a minute. I heard about a court case uh, that was lost because of the silence of the attorney. Uh, this was a distinguished attorney by the name of Samuel. Samuel was representing the defendant, and, and he thought the, the facts were just listed. They, they were there. They were evident. There was no reason for him to even stand up and argue them. And so he told uh, the jury, he said, listen, I'm not going to insult your intelligence by arguing these facts because they're plain as day. And so he remained seated. The jury then went into the room, and in just a few minutes after deliberating, they came back out with a verdict of guilty. And the lawyer was blown away. How could you come up with that kind of verdict? The foreman replied, We all agreed that if anything could be said for a case, you would say it. But since you didn't present any evidence, we decided to rule against you. Silence had lost this case. And so we pick up in the second half of our story from John chapter 4 as it deals with the Samaritan woman that had come to the well and met Jesus. And in this story, we'll notice the people who likely should not have been silent were silent. And as a lot of times in stories revolving around Jesus, many times those who maybe we would not expect to be Silent. We're not. 
You remember the events that took place. This Samaritan woman comes out to this well where Jesus was. And you remember, Samaritans and Jews, they did not like each other. They would avoid contact with each other as much as possible. Not always, but as much as possible. And so here this Samaritan woman is, comes and she's drawing water, and Jesus is there, and Jesus says, Give me a drink. And she's blown away. What, what do you mean? I mean, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. Not only that, I'm a woman and you're asking, you're asking me a drink of water? On top of that, Jesus, she realizes a rabbi, a teacher, and rabbis do not speak to women, especially in public. And Jesus then gives her the opportunity to see that He's different from everyone else. He's different from other prophets. He's, he's different because He tells her to go call her husband. And she says, well, I, I don't have a husband. And He says, you know what? You're right. You've had five husbands and the one you're with now is not your husband. And then she, she doesn't like that and so she begins changing the subject from her issues to that of worship. And Jesus gladly discusses worship with her and says, but I want to tell you about the worship God wants. And then the disciples return. But none of them dare ask, why are you talking to this lady? What is she seeking? And then we pick up in the second part of the story that Eddie read for us in verse 27 and 28. The disciples come and, and they, they see what's happening. And they say, man, this ought not to be happening. But none of them ask Jesus. And then the Bible says that this woman did something. She left. She left her water pot and she went back into the city. You see, when this woman came to the well, she came with the water pot ready to fill that water pot with water. And while she was doing so, it was then that Jesus asked her for a drink. Of water. Now here's something that's interesting that I, I didn't really get to bring out when we talked about the first part of this lesson. But in the New King James Version, I want you to notice John 4 and verse 9. Her response to Jesus when He asked for water. How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Now what's interesting is because that's not entirely true, is it? Because where had the disciples gone? The disciples had gone into the city of Sychar, a city of Samaria. To do what? To buy food. So that's a dealing that they had with these Samaritans, right? Now I want you to notice in the New Revised Standard, John chapter 4 and verse 9, her response is this. How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Here it is. Jews do not share things in common with Samarians, Samaritans. The idea is, according to Pharisaic interpretation of the laws of purity, that Jews and Samaritans were not allowed to use drinking vessels together. They were not allowed to drink after one another. Henceforth, it gives us her great surprise of why Jesus asked her a drink of water. He didn't have anything to draw with. He was a Jew and he was a rabbi. 
as a result of this conversation that she had with Jesus. The conversation that circled about living water. The Bible says she left her water pot. Now she didn't just forget her water pot. The word for left is the same word that is used about Jesus when He left Judea. You see, He didn't forget Judea. And neither did this woman forget her water pot. Uh, one commentator said this, Having heard the stranger's great declaration and being now fully convinced that genuine worship is of an entirely spiritual nature and that accordingly there can be no basic objection to the idea of Jews and Samaritans drinking from the same pitcher. She purposely leaves the jar at the well so that Jesus may quench his physical thirst and so he may know that she has taken to heart the lesson concerning the nature of true religion. As I think about this, some questions come to my mind. She left her water pot with Jesus. I wonder are there things in our lives today that we need to leave with Jesus. You see, her life was messed up. She knew it and so did Jesus. Are there things in our lives today that are messing up our lives that we need to lay at the feet of Jesus? You see, the reality is, no matter what that is, Maybe you have some sin in your life and you need to lay that at the feet of Jesus today so that you can live a new life. Maybe it is you come today and you have some prejudices in your life. Just like this woman. Just like the disciples. And you need to lay those today at the feet of Jesus. You know, maybe your prejudice is not uh, with different uh, kinds of people or with different nationalities. Maybe your, pre- your prejudice today is, well, they're less than I am. Or they're better than I am. You see, she left those things at the feet of Jesus. The reality is, He can handle it. And the Bible says she left her water pot Likely for Jesus. Maybe she's also <clears throat> knows she's coming back. <clears throat> but maybe also she's leaving the life that she's been living for Jesus. Notice in verse 29 and following what else she did. The Bible says she went and she proclaimed. She went into the city and she told those people, she said, hey, come and see. I want you to come see this man that's told me all things that ever I did. Could this be the Christ? Could this be the Messiah that we've been waiting for? Remember at the end of her dialogue with Jesus, she said, Listen, uh, sir, Messiah is coming, who is called Christ, and he's going to tell us all things. And Jesus says, Listen, I am. I am the one speaking to you. So she asked, could this be the Messiah? One commentator said this, Though 
we have no reason to doubt that in her own heart, she is already convinced that Jesus is indeed the Christ. She very wisely formulates her question in such a manner that the people will arrive at their own answer. She said, this commentator translates it, He is not perhaps the Christ, is He? See, she couldn't help, once she realizes this, she couldn't help but to go tell. She had to go tell the people that she was familiar with, the people from her own city. She had to go tell them about Jesus. Raises another question in my mind. How many times have I told the people I'm around the most about Jesus? How many times do they hear me talk about Jesus? You see, once this lady realized this was the Christ, she had to go tell. She went and told and she said, come and see. You see, Jesus in giving the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28 says, while you are going about your everyday lives, I want you to share Jesus, preach the gospel. And many times we say that means preach the gospel. But couldn't it also mean that it's about telling people in a sense to come and see? Come and see what Jesus has done in my life. Those that this woman went and told in the city, guess what? When she told them and she said, come and see, could this not be the Christ? They dropped what they were doing and they followed her to the well. While they're on the way, Jesus has this discussion in verses 31 and following with His disciples. Notice what He says. John 4 and verse 31. In the meantime, His disciples urged Him saying, Rabbi, eat. But He said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought Him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. Do you not say, There are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, Lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. They had been sent to the city of Sychar. To buy food for their journey. And when they return, they see Jesus talking to this lady, yet they didn't say anything. But yet they tried to get him to eat food. And Jesus says, Listen, I have food to eat which you do not know about. And they go, They start looking at each other. Who brought him food? Did somebody come? Somebody else came and brought him food? You see, they did not understand what he was talking about. 
They were still like the women, the woman at the well previously. They were still focused on the physical. But Jesus was talking in the spiritual. He said, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. You see, the disciples were satisfied with bread. But Jesus says, I receive my nourishment, I receive my satisfaction from accomplishing the will of the Father. Think about that for a minute. They were satisfied with physical bread, but Jesus says, my satisfaction comes from accomplishing the Father's will. Let's think about this question for a minute. Am I more concerned with the physical instead of the spiritual? You see, Jesus' own disciples were concerned with the physical and they missed the spiritual. Do we find satisfaction in the physical accomplishments of life only? Or do we find satisfaction like Jesus in those spiritual accomplishments of the Father's work? Phillips Brooks said, Seek your life's nourishment in your life's work. Notice what Warren Wearsby said about this. The will of God ought to be the source of strength and satisfaction to the child of God. Just as if he sat down to a luxurious feast... Let's read that again and think about what he's saying. The will of God ought to be a source of strength and satisfaction to the child of God. Just as if he sat down to a luxurious feast. Is the ministry of God that important to me? It was to Jesus. It became important to the woman and Jesus needed it to become important to His disciples. Have you heard that phrase from these verses? Do not say, there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white to harvest. Do we not hear those verses? Use those verses and say, look, we need to go share the message and that's true, but I want you to see what's happening. Envision in your mind's eye, Jesus is at this well talking with His disciples. The woman who Jesus had encountered, she's gone into the city to tell people, listen, come and see. And they're on their way. And Jesus says about accomplishing His Father's will, this is where I get my satisfaction. Now you know, guys, that the physical harvest is still four months away, right? And it's almost as in a sense if He says, Hello, disciples! Look! You see, those people were drawing near from the city. Look. 
the fields are wider to harvest. The spiritual fields are here and they're ready. But the laborers are few. Because, disciples, you're thinking about the physical and I need you to think about the spiritual. You see, they had gone into the city to buy food. They had interacted with Samaritan people to buy food because they're hungry, because they've been traveling. And evidently, never said one thing about Jesus. They were silent. They were silent. The very people who were walking with Jesus and spending time with Him daily, they were silent. But a woman with a messed up life who had an encounter with Jesus, she couldn't help but to tell everybody, you've got to come see. Wiersbe says, no doubt the disciples had said as they approached the city of Sychar, there can be no harvest here. These people despise us Jews and would have no use for our message. But just the opposite was true. The harvest was ready and only needed faithful workers to claim it. I don't know how that hits you. But that hits me pretty hard. It causes me to ask myself this question. How often have I passed up opportunities to share Jesus just because I considered someone else not worthy? Or, they don't care. They're not going to listen to my message anyway. And Jesus would say, Don't focus on the physical. Open your eyes. The fields are wider to harvest. We would do well to take to heart Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verses 4 and following. Notice what the Bible says. He who observes the wind will not sow. And he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know what is the way of the wind or how the bones grow in the wound of her who is with child? So you do not know the works of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed and in the evening do not withhold your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. You see, God can use us to further His kingdom. And He doesn't want us to judge what we think physically about the people we are around or in our neighborhoods or in our town. Jesus says, look, the fields are white to harvest. Maybe it is that like Esther, 
Mordecai told her, listen, how do you know that God does not, has not placed you in this situation for such a time as this? Esther, you can be the deliverer. Church, we can be the message, the messenger for the deliverer. Jesus tells the parable of the sower. And He never said. The sower went out and he chose what soil he wanted to plant the seed in. He says the sower went out and sowed. While he was going, he's sowing. And Jesus says the seed, that's the Word of God. The soils, those are the hearts that it will fall on. Will some people not listen? Yes. Some people will not listen. Will they be others who listen? Oh, absolutely. And so what does Jesus ask us to do? Like He did the disciples. Behold, look, the fields are white to harvest. What happened as a result of what this lady did? Look in verses 39 and following. And many of the Samaritans that in that, of that city believed in Him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to Him, they urged Him to stay with them, and He stayed there two days. And what happened as a result of Jesus being in their life? And many more believed because of His own word. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard Him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. You see, that, remind, that causes me to ask another question. Can people tell that the Savior of the world has made a difference in my life? I hope so. I want that to be the case. There's an illustration I want to share with you as we close that I've shared with you before, but I think it's worthy and ties into what's happening in this story. The story is about the Fisherman's Fellowship. There was a group called the Fisherman's Fellowship. They were surrounded by streams and lakes full of fish. They met regularly to discuss the call to fish and the thrill of catching fish. They got excited about fishing. Someone suggested that they needed a philosophy of fishing. So they carefully defined and redefined fishing and the purpose of fishing. They developed fishing strategies and tactics. Then they realized that they had been going at it backwards. They had approached fishing from the point of view of the fishermen and not from the point of view of the fish. How do fish view the world? How does the fisherman appear to the fish? What do fish eat and when? These are all good things to know, they thought. So they began research studies and attended conferences on fishing. Some traveled to faraway places to study different kinds of fish with different habits. Some got PhDs in fishology. But no one had yet gone fishing. So a committee was formed to send out fishermen. As prospective fishing places outnumbered fishermen, the committee needed to determine priorities. A priority list of fishing places was posted on bulletin boards in all the fellowship halls. 
but still no one was fishing. A survey was launched to find out why. Most did not even answer the survey. But from those that did, it was discovered that some felt called to study fish, a few to furnish fishing equipment, and several to go around encouraging the fishermen. I mean, with meetings and conferences and seminars, they just simply did not have time to fish. Now, Jake was a newcomer to the Fisherman's Fellowship. After one stirring meeting of the fellowship, Jake went fishing. He tried a few things, got the hang of it, and caught a choice fish. At the next meeting, he told his story. And he was honored for his catch. And then scheduled to speak at all the fellowship chapters and tell how he did it. Now, because of all the speaking invitations and selection to the board of directors of the Fisherman's Fellowship, Jake no longer has time to go fishing. But soon he began to feel restless and empty. He longed to feel the tug on the line once again. So he cut the speaking engagements, he resigned from the board, and he said to a friend, let's go fishing. And they did. Just the two of them. And they caught fish. The members of the Fisherman Fellowship were many. The fish were plentiful. But the fishers were few. Are we like the fishers' fellowship? Or are we like Jake? Jesus says, Look, disciples, there are people who want to hear about me. There are people in our lives who want to hear about Jesus and what He has done and the difference that He has made in my life. You see, in a time when people, when many people are discounting Christianity, in a time where people think the church is outdated and irrelevant, our challenge is to lift up our eyes and think about the spiritual, for the fields are white to harvest. Will you answer the call that Jesus gave those disciples, that Jesus that has been passed down to you and I? The fields are white. Do you know of someone in your life today that needs Jesus? They may or may not hear. They may or may not listen. They may or may not take what you have to say to heart. But you see, here's the thing. The woman whose life was messed up. She knew it and so did everyone else. She said, come and see what Jesus has done in my life. Today, are you here and your life is messed up? Maybe you have some things in your life that you need to lay at the feet of Jesus. And because of doing that, you realize that without Jesus Christ in your life, you need Him in your life. And without Him in your life, you're lost. And you want Jesus in your life. We can assist you with that today. If you're ready to do so, to be buried with Jesus Christ, to say, I'm ready. I'm ready to live a new life. I'm ready to leave all these messed up things with Jesus. And go tell people about my new life. In Christ. Maybe you're here today and you've already done that. 
And maybe you have some broken things in your life. Some things that have your life messed up. And you want to lay them at the feet of Jesus. Listen, we stand here not saying, listen, we're better than you because we don't come forward. We stand here saying, listen, I'm broken too. And I need Jesus as well. I'm broken too. And guess what? Brother and sister, I need you as well. We can pray with you and we can pray for you. Maybe you're here today. And I continue to say this. The invitation is not just about changing our life. The invitation is also about saying, Hey, hey church. Hey brothers and sisters. I'm carrying some burdens that are too big to carry. And I need your prayers. And we stand ready. As together we stand and sing.